Hi, I'm Sharon Jones, Head of Digital Innovation at the King's Fund, and today I'm going to be speaking to Zoe Amar. Zoe is a co-author of the Charity Digital Skills Report, Chair of a Charity Digital Code of Practice, founder of Zoe Amar Digital, and is respected as a leading light across the sector. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, thanks for taking part. So you've worked across the charity sector since 2008, and in 2017, you created the Charity Digital Skills Report, of which we just got the latest results the other month. Can you talk about what it is, why you created it, and what the biggest changes you've seen in the past five years? So 2017 feels like a very long time ago, doesn't it, in the digital era? But it was actually a very pivotal point uh, because that was the time when we were starting to talk about digital much more as as a sector and grappling with what the possibilities could be as well as the the challenges. And uh, as someone who was involved in this space, I was really keen to understand what the trends were. And that meant as ever, getting hold of the the data on where the sector was at. So I looked around at what else was out there and there wasn't anything that was really mapping the digital development and trends across the sector. And at the time, I was working very closely with a charity called the Workforce Development Trust. And we decided, well, why don't we set something up so it can be really useful free resource for charities and that's how how it began and we've seen some really interesting changes during that time so before we spoke today I was having a look back at some of the stats from 2017 and when the report began only half of the charities we spoke to had a digital strategy where now it's 56% so not a huge improvement but some improvement and there have been some improvements in in skills as well so there are more charities that are confident for example about social media yeah so we can see that the dial is gradually starting to move and hopefully by having a mirror held up to the sector once a year and looking at the data and seeing where the sector's at charities can then get a sense of this is where we are in relation to this and these are where the trends are and also here are the opportunities and challenges that other organizations are facing yeah thank you i mean it's really helpful to see there's so much data that's now in that um that report and it's good to see because i entered it for our own charity and it's interesting to find out where we kind of are in the sector as a whole you know what to you do you think are the opportunities and what challenges do you think are still very much present well I'll start with uh, the the challenges side of things and there were some very interesting challenges that emerged this year so it's called the digital skills report for a reason and actually we saw skills being particularly significant issue this year. So upskilling staff and volunteers was the second greatest barrier to digital progress and that's faced by more than a third, so 38% of charities. And one of the perennial challenges we see in the report every year that doesn't seem to be shifting, and that in itself is a cause for concern, is that almost two thirds, so 64% of boards' digital skills are either low or have room for improvement. And there's been very little change in that since since 2017, despite the pandemic. And that, of course, worries me. Wow. What do you think can be done about that? 
I think charities have got to look at what they can do that's within their gift. Um, we do work closely with the, the the charity commission on things like the charity digital code of practice, and I think they are aware and supportive of the fact that uh, digital is is definitely an issue for charity boards. So I think the biggest area where charities can make a difference is to look at how they recruit, where they recruit for trustees. So rather than going to the the usual suspects, thinking about what they really want to achieve from the role of a digital trustee, how they're going to get the rest of the board up to speed. Because as I always like to say, a digital trustee is the start of the story rather than the end. Yeah. And making sure that that charity has, um, that trustee rather has some very clear goals uh, around what they're going to be scrutinising and supporting and also inputting into the, the strategy around digital. What surprised you about this year's findings? What was really interesting this year was that there's been a real growth in confidence about remote work. So charities are becoming much more confident about using digital for communications and remote working. And more than half, so 52%, said that they were excellent in this area, which I found really encouraging because last year only 41% rated themselves as excellent. And I was really pleased to see that there was more focus on well-being around Mm. remote work. So 35% of charities said that they were interested in helping staff work remotely without compromising on their well-being. And that has actually doubled since last year. So again, I think those two things are really encouraging. And they also speak to the importance of ways of working when it comes to digital and how that's as much of a digital skill as the more technical aspects of of how you do certain tasks and how you grow your expertise in different areas in digital. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have that well-being piece kind of embedded amongst all the other side of the, the strategy that you might have. So having a shared definition of what digital is seems to be quite hard for organisations. Why do you think that is? It's a great question because I think it's such a perennial challenge across the sector. It's one of the first things that charities ask on on every project we work on. And the reason why I think it's really important to answer that question is because if you don't know what it is, and of course, everyone comes at it from a different angle, whether it's as a consumer or the fact that you work in finance and you're more familiar with Excel or other people work in service design, they're more familiar with products. Everyone's coming at this from a different perspective. And the reason why we always work with organisations very closely to create a shared organisational definition of it is because otherwise, if you can't name what it is, then how can you progress with it? How can you ask for investment for digital if there's this very amorphous sense of of what it is? And how can you track your progress with it as, as well? So it has to stop being such a nebulous concept and I'm a great believer in giving things a name and making that really relevant to your organisation. Yeah no definitely. Also I noticed that digital skills came out as an area where charities want to build more confidence yet it's well known that it's quite challenging to recruit good people who've got digital skills and to recruit them and to retain them. What do you think can be done to tackle that issue and how can you upskill like whole teams across an organisation more effectively? 
So this is a very significant challenge across the sector and I believe other industries as well at the moment. And if we think about the recruitment piece first, I think there's a couple of things that can be done. First of all, I think you have to hire for the the, the short term, but also plan for the long term as well. And what I mean by that is I've spoken to heads of digital in charities where they're very realistic about the fact that even if we go to the maximum that we can uh, in salary, it's likely that we're only going to have this person for perhaps 18 months, a couple of years. So you've got to design the job accordingly. And it may even be that the job is more appealing as a a long-term contract rather than a a permanent option. So again, that might be something to consider, but certainly something to to plan into how the team could, could look and develop. And in terms of Thinking for the the long term, I would love to see more charities considering succession planning. And that's not something that I see getting talked about a lot across the sector. If you've got an incredibly talented digital manager right now, and as we've just discussed, there's a working assumption that you may not be able to hang on to them in two, three years time. Who's your next digital manager going to be? And could it be an internal candidate that you could retrain up who perhaps has got a really good sense of your users so they may not even work in digital right now but perhaps they've got the mindset and the potential and the curiosity to grow those technical skills which I think is almost the 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 easier piece of the puzzle and just a, a final recommendation about recruitment Again, I really like to see more charities thinking about their employer brands and the reason why I say that is Obviously, everyone's looking at what they can do in terms of making the salary as attractive as possible. Uh, Charities are thinking about what they offer in terms of things like hybrid working and other benefits and training budgets and all those kinds of things. But you've got to bring it back to how can we make this really unique and appealing in the context of our organisation? So it might be come and join us and be our new service designer and you've got an opportunity to help achieve our our mission of supporting more uh, young people with mental health across the the UK, for example. So it's thinking about what is that employer proposition and how can we make it as compelling as possible for people to, to, to join us? And how can we keep reinforcing that through our comms so that we are recruiting in a way that I would describe as continuous actually rather than going out there every time you've got a vacancy panic panic having to reinvent the wheel the organizations I see really succeeding in this area right now are just recruiting all the time even when they don't have a live vacancy creating that warm pipeline of potential candidates so that when they do go out there with a job description people are interested and ready very similar to fundraising and how that has changed in my view yeah and that whole brand piece is so kind of crucial to everything at the moment and wanting to work for an organization especially you've touched upon the well-being you want to come to an organization that kind of fits your own individual values as well as what the organization's values are as well and I wonder if there's something in that digital piece around everybody being part of that story, that brand story, so that when you recruit people, they're kind of coming into an inclusive environment, regardless of the the skills they may have at that moment. I 100% agree with that. And I think there's an even bigger question there, isn't there, uh, the recruitment in many ways, because it's it's really about 
how you live those values and the the work that you've done internally around inclusion and how much of a supportive environment you have and whether you can truly say that about all different levels of your organisation and the experience that you offer to staff and to to volunteers. So you're right, I think there's, there's a lot of work to be done in that area across the sector. So during lockdown, the pace at which charities had to adopt and adapt to digital ways of working was, you know, incredibly rapid. What opportunities do you think there are now for companies to build upon that pace going forward in the future? So the three things that I would recommend is that because there has been so much progress over the last couple of years, there's a lot there that you can review and learn from. And I would recommend to every organisation, if you haven't already done it, is to do a review. So ideally some kind of retrospective exercise where you look at all the many things that your organisation has done differently digitally over the last couple of years to to discuss and agree on um, what's gone well, what could be improved and what the, the next steps are. So all that change means that there's a lot of learning. So I think starting with that and, and drawing on that and thinking about what you're going to continue to do and what you're not going to continue to do is, is, is really important. Um, secondly, I think there's an opportunity to configure what you're you're doing very much based on what users are telling you they want right now and we all know that 2022 has been this big year of transition and change and adjustment and that will have been playing out in the lives of all the individuals that every organization supports so i think the number one thing you can do right now is talk to your users even if you're just talking to five or ten of them do it soon do it quickly find out where they are at with digital, you know, how they're using it, what they think of the digital products and services and content that you offer, what they like, what they don't like, what other organisations they're engaging with digitally and and that they're impressed by. Uh, So that's what I would recommend. And then go back to the all the different digital activities that you have and look at how you can prioritise that based on the, the feedback that you're getting from your users. And then, as we were saying earlier, I do think there's something really key now about ways of working. And the reason why I think that's that's so important, and we've talked earlier about how that's linked to the whole skills agenda, is it's also really important for getting the most from our our assets and, and obviously our, our people as well, who are so vitally important to the sector. And we don't have a lot of um we don't have a lot of bandwidth to, to play with, do we? Because of the rising cost of living, everyone having so much pressure, whether it's stuff going on personally or, or the, the pressure to fundraise and the, the people that we need to reach through our services. So I think there's something there about how can we be as efficient and effective as possible when we need to do a lot more with everything that we have. And what I'm seeing across the sector at the moment is that Absolutely, there's been a huge improvement in what we're doing with digital, how we're doing it, the tools we're using. I mean, the the rate of adoption, the sophistication of the activities I'm seeing in a lot of the organisations we've worked with is truly impressive. But some of that connective tissue around how, for example, do we get marketing and and fundraising teams to collaborate more effectively so that they can grow that all-important digital revenue that's coming in through the the, the fundraising products um, how can we make sure that um, you know this team is working more closely with with another team as well so that you're not all scrambling around you know trying to reinvent the, the wheel when those business processes haven't been documented so I think we're we're starting to see in organizations that 
people are reaching this next stage of digital maturity. But there's quite a lot of growing pains to go through yet. And how we approach those is really important. So when it comes to digital transformation, how can everybody in an organisation, whether you're in finance, whether you're in operations, not just digital and marketing, how can they all play their part? There's one enormous thing, which I think is especially key. And I love the fact that you referenced different teams there. And I feel that it's vitally important because it's so critical right now that we continue to approach digital as a shared challenge and a shared opportunity. So whether you have a digital strategy right now or not, now is a really excellent time to review your progress as an organisation. And particularly when it comes to skills, to map those warm and cold spots that you've got on your staff and volunteer team. Because so often I find that organisations either have a massive dependency on, you know, a small group of people who are really brilliant at it, but they haven't given them the time and the capacity or the recognition to share their skills. Or equally, there are people who are very early stage of the digital skills, relatively speaking, and need some guidance and, and support to bring people up to speed. And actually, I think that links to the inclusion agenda as well. So that's one of the key things that I would recommend right now for transformation. Look at the skills you have and make sure that you can do more with what you've got and that you're bringing everyone on this journey of growing their skills and confidence. Thanks so much for taking part, Zoe. That was absolutely fascinating. There's so much to take and learn from that and, you know, start trying to implement ourselves. And thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you found it useful. This is just one of a series of in-house podcasts for the King's Fund, all about various aspects of digital workplace transformation. Bye for now.